Hey, this is a really cool opportunity that I want to let you know about. Every great show begins with a pitch. The PlayStation Emerging Filmmakers program is a one-of-a-kind opportunity to bring your original show idea to life. Submit your idea between now and August 1st. The top five submissions, chosen by PlayStation executives and industry professionals, will each see their pilot produced, plus $5,000 and a producer credit in the pilot. Uh, visit PlayStationFilmmakers.com for more information. Again, this is a really cool opportunity. You just pitch your idea. All the instructions are on PlaystationFilmmakers.com. And uh, you could get a pilot made by PlayStation. Check it out. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writers Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to other writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 500 writers on the show, so please check the archives to find more writers and more TV shows of interest to you. I'm a writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, and other programs. I have a couple of cool projects out this first quarter of 2017 that I hope you'll check out. One is a Supernatural Western comic book series from Boom Publishing that I wrote with my writing partner, Ben Acker, and our friend, the TV showrunner, Andrew Miller. It's beautifully illustrated by Hannah Christensen, and the first issue is available in comic stores and online February 8th. In March comes the first book in a series of young adult novels that Acker and I wrote called Star Wars Join the Resistance. It takes place just before The Force Awakens and is about a bunch of kids who join the fight against the First Order. But mostly they have adventures, fall in love with each other, and get in trouble. I hope you'll check out both of those projects. We're very proud of how they came out. Let me know who you'd like to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so, liking the Writers Panel on Facebook, and visiting writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Reading those reviews really provides a pick-me-up. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writers Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! I'm thrilled to have you both here. Congrats on new shows, on old shows, uh, on being, really on being here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. introduce yeah. yourselves on the microphone so the listener can discern your voice. All right, my name is Greg Garcia. And my name is James Rowland. Thank you, guys. Um, Greg, of course, we know from a whole slew of shows, including the upcoming... It's the guest book, yes. Anyway, it premieres this week on TBS. Yes, absolutely. Um, and people should check it out. Uh, is it? Are you doing like back-to-back first episodes? Uh, so August 3rd, it'll be on uh, the first night it's on. We're going to do the first two episodes back-to-back, and then uh, each uh, subsequent week we'll do an episode. Great. And the cast is insane. Yeah, we got lucky. I mean, it's a different cast for the most part every week, although we have some regulars that are really good, too. But uh, I got lucky to get people to come in and do it. Yeah. That's that's really fun. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about sure. that stuff. And James, uh, of course, is the creator of Blood Drive, currently running on Sci-Fi. Mm-hmm. Wednesday nights, ten o'clock. There's the plug. Yeah, and people can find them. Like they're they stream somewhere. They're on the Sci-Fi website yeah, right go. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people should like jump on the pilot. Greg was saying he watched before coming in. Yeah, and it's insane. It's great. It's <laughs> it's just what a fun ride. Um, you know, I don't. That's the tagline, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, it's it's a blast. I was just telling him that uh, that I'm just loving it, so I can't wait to keep going. Uh, let's talk about this new show, um, the guest book. Why do an anthology show now? I mean, again, like 
we said sort of in jest, but you've had a slew of really long-running, successful shows, and more so, like, shows that people really love, like My Name is Earl, Raising Hope, <laughs> which I absolutely loved. But, so this is really, like, it feels like a departure. It's, it's a very much a show in your voice. But yeah, also, but the format, definitely a little different. I kind of backed into it, really, because I, actually around Raising Hope, I started to go up to Big Bear and find a uh, house to rent to just um, write, just to force myself. We all know how hard writing is, so... I figured if I rented a house for the weekend and I drove all the way to Big Bear, like I'd have no excuse. Like I have to get something done, you know? And so I got up there. The first time I did it, actually, I was supposed to be breaking stories for Raising Hope, I think season three. And I was having trouble coming up with stuff. And I looked over and they had a guest book where people write in it. And I picked it up to read it just to procrastinate. And it says like, you know, we had a great time. We went sledding. The kids had fun. The dishwasher's not working, blah, 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 blah. So I started kind of walk around the house and I was like, all right, what kind of crazy thing could have happened in this house? And I kind of got an idea and I wrote a 35 page story in the guest book and I just left it there basically to freak out the next people and to freak out the owner. I think it was about like two guys that went up there. They worked together. They ended up playing cards. One caught the other one cheating. He stabbed him in the eye with a fork, but then he like left the fork in the drawer and he felt bad because he didn't know which one it was. And so I made a copy of it. I took it back to set and I read it to everybody and everybody was like laughing so then i rented another house in big bear and i did it again and then my wife was staying in a beach house in north carolina and she said there's a guest book so she sent me (laughs) pictures and i wrote a story and she wrote in the book so like three years went by and i had like 15 of these stories and i was like i want to do this as a tv show so tbs said yeah let's do it they read the stories i wrote a couple of them as scripts and they said absolutely Mm -hmm. let's just do 10 of them and um yeah so so that's what it is you know it's just these stories coming to life that's great that's even better than i imagined (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's kind of a fun little little uh origin story for the show it feels like that's also a great pitch for the show i mean i assume you went in and told what you just told us. Yeah, pretty much we just showed, like, I just showed them the stories, you know, mm-hmm. and they just read the stories, and then there was a little proof of concept of, like, all right, the stories are funny, but how is this going to translate into a TV sure. show? So I wrote two episodes, and then they were like, let's do it. That's great. And then there's the really interesting thing, which I think people have been trying to crack, which is how to do, like, a story with continuity. Yeah, and also underneath all these stories, sure. Because I love how you did that. Well, yeah, it was just like that was again just kind of looking at the marketplace. Like at the time, everybody was scared of doing anthology, so I was forced to kind of think like, okay, how do I make this also a weekly adventure? So you should watch all ten of them and get rewarded for watching all ten of them. And now it seems like there's more and more anthology that's popping up, Mm -hmm. either drama or comedy, which is great because I love that format. But at the time, I thought I have to have a through line, so I just. You know, every episode takes place at this one cabin in the woods, so the people you get the key from are in every episode. The guy that lives next door, played by Garrett Dillahunt, is so in every episode. You know, the, there's a there's a cop in town. There's a guy that uh, Eddie Steeples, Crab Man from Earl, is a food delivery guy, you know. so And what I do is about 10 to 20% of each episode, I start to tell their story. So then by the time you get to episode 10... Yeah. It's all about them, and hopefully if I get to do more of them, I'll keep that uh, format going. That's great. It works really well, and I want to talk about how – I think you're credited as writing every episode, right? Yeah, I wrote every episode because seven of the ten were mm-hmm. coming from stories that I'd already written. Sure. Uh, the other ones I came up with, but um, I just found it easier to do that with this particular show. Sure. Um, I did have a couple writers that were officially kind of punch-up. Most of them were working on other shows, and they just do it on the weekends. And also, the budget wasn't as big as some of my other shows. Mm. So, you know, 
it's not the greatest thing to say uh, <laughs> you know, for people that want it work, but like cutting out the writer's budget certainly saved a lot I'm of money sure. for this one particular show. Sure. Could never do that with like a network show or anything like that, yeah. but with like a 10-episode yeah. order for the time being, it worked for me. And it is like, and then TBS is doing a couple of these and FX is doing shows like this where like it feels like they're taking a chance. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, so so, I, so the sense. budget isn't going to be huge, right. and, and you know, it's like let's see what happens, and if people dig it, it'll stay around. Yeah. But uh, and you know, I didn't have to shoot a pilot, anything like that. That's so it's great. a definite chance. Yeah. Um, good. We'll we'll pick up on that in a minute. Awesome, uh, James. Let's talk about Blood Drive. Um, you and I first met. You got in touch with me through mutual friends through uh, Chrissy Pytrash. Chrissy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who said, this guy needs help. He just <laughs> sold a script. Yeah. And you were like, what next? And I think all I what said was like, hang on for your life. Yeah. yeah, and I think it was also, I was like, I think they're going to they're gonna pair me up. They're going to give me right. a supervisor. They're going to, so, you know, give me a showrunner. And I was like, who can I trust? Who can I trust? You've talked right. to everyone. Who can I trust? That's right. So, so sort of walk us through that process. So you wrote Blood Drive on spec, right? Um, yeah. No, it was, yeah, yeah. It was totally on my own. It was a... Uh, uh, an idea for a fake Grindhouse trailer that we didn't use, like in 2011, for this contest. Oh, interesting. Um, because we couldn't figure out how to do blood engines, but then all my <laughs> friends kept asking about it. And then, um, like, oh, when are we going to go shoot that? When are we going to go shoot that? And so when I got a manager, mm-hmm. um, it was one of those literally, there are my eight ideas. All right, I like these three. Write one of them. Unless you got anything else, okay, I got this one <laughs> stupid idea. And of course, that's the one he liked. And it was literally just happened like the cheesy. That's really thing. funny. Um, and I wrote it. Yeah, so it was he. He so he had glommed onto it, but yeah, it was totally. There was no one interested in it at, all <laughs> at that point. Well, let's take a step back. Um, what were you doing at the time, and where did the manager come from? Uh, the the I got my manager from a, a, a cold submission. I didn't have luck going through um, some of my writer contacts mm-hmm. that I had. Um, so I was an assistant on Mad Men at the time. Okay. And would take long lunch breaks. I'm sure they're aware of it. <laughs> Led to me not being on Mad Men anymore. I just started oh, watching that show. They take long lunch breaks like, on the show. That. Yeah, there you go. Right? I'm literally like was. five episodes in the first season, like yeah. right now. So yeah, I feels like it was. yeah, it's that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was just going. Any anybody that would take a lot, take a. You know, unsolicited, whatever, a query letter, anything. Which, I, that's funny. I mean, that comes up a lot on the podcast about whether or not this still it, works, and it clearly it, does. It, it does, and it's it's hard. It's Yeah, you just have to be, you have to send out a lot, mm-hmm. and you have to do a lot of, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was random chance, but my methodology was find shows that are letting their assistants just bump up, that have mm-hmm. just written a script, find out if they have a rep, because, you know, they're willing to take on newbies and then target those that's smart yeah and um did have a lot of luck and then but i had my boss from weeds had mm-hmm. written mark burley who i owe a lot to had written a, co- a really nice cover letter for the script that i had at the time okay and um and it hadn't gotten a lot of bites because it had been a few years since weeds and um but i had helped set up the orange offices mm-hmm. for them and uh and so i had all that I shouldn't say it. had all the information for their office, so I just made fake letterhead for Orange because it was because it's the big show and printed it in color and orange and everything and sent it out. It oh was the same. God. I didn't change the letter. The, that and letter he on that works on Orange. I just was like, right. well, he's moved. Hollywood has like such a short memory. Orange is the big thing, Absolutely. and then I got like two or three bites off of that. That's really nice. Funny. Of the, Good lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right after like so many years we're here working, it was like a cold submission that got. That's that's terrific though. I mean, yeah. look, all it takes is one person to respond to your work. 
right? Yeah. No, no. Um, so you you then pitched the manager a bunch of ideas, and you finally landed on Blood Drive, and yeah. then you just had to sit down and write it. Yeah, and you can tell. Like, the other ones, he was like, oh, that's cool, that's cool, but then the, you can tell when people's eyes, they kind of yeah. lean forward. And I was like, all right, that's the one, and then I, I just churned it out because I was so desperate. I mean, it was like, <laughs> I'll write my ass off. Did you know... Like you had the premise, did you know what the story was before jumping? I, it was a, it was a joke title, That's and, really funny. and it, that was it. And then it was like, how do you turn it into? Because it's like a Saturday Night Live skit. It's like how do, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's like what's the story? And then, and I spent like three days, you know, wanting to kill myself. And then hit on like, well, okay, well, it has to be somebody who doesn't want to be there. Why is he on there? You got to do the old trope with a bomb in his neck. Mm-hmm. But it's like the last good cop in a fallen world. Now every single day he's got to like, they'll kill me if I don't win. But to win, I have to fuel my car, and that means killing people. And then it got interesting. Mm-hmm. And I went, okay, there's a there's something that I care to tell a story about, and like, and then justifies all the tits and ass and all the right. stuff that we do. Yeah. And that was, and then it was like, okay, boom. And then it just. It, it breathed a life of its own. I, I, um, uh, it was just one of those things, like when I wrote, um, like that Slink speech, when he comes out of the, the first thing that Slink, the character Slink says, mm-hmm. like that was, it was one of those things where, I mean, we changed the comma, like through all the wow. rewrites, that was one of those things, like his voice was there from That's the great. beginning. It was just, I, I don't know, it was just one of those things. Yeah, when the world presents itself to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and sometimes but, and financial desperation can yeah. definitely help with that. Um, I, I want to pick up there and sort of, you know, what happened once people got interested in it in a second. Sure. Um, but, Greg, what is your, your breaking in story? Where did you come from? Well, for me, so I, uh, you know, I grew up watching TV. I just always loved sitcoms. And then uh, I went to college at a place called Frostburg State University, a little small school in Western Maryland. And they just, on a fluke, they taught a television writing class, which some guy I was in line with that was one of my roommates in this house was like, hey, you should take this class. Um, It sounds fun. We write a sitcom script. And Warner Brothers is somehow associated with it. And, like, they send the scripts to Warner Brothers, and they pick two people in the country and they fly him out to Los Angeles to hang out on a sitcom How set. was that the case at this little school? I don't know. It was That's like total crazy. dumb luck and I was like, well, that sounds fun. I mean, what the hell? So I took the class. The night before my script was due, I did not know what I was going to write. <laughs> I took a bunch of like caffeine pills oh and uh, those were the best drugs we could get at Frostburg. <laughs> and um, I sat down and I wrote a cheers spec and I, and I had a lot of fun writing it and um, we had a table read of it the next day. People laughed. Awesome. You know, the, the teacher gave me some notes. They were Awful, awful notes, and I didn't take. Do you remember in- what they were like? Uh, she was, she was like, she, she said like Carla has to hit somebody on the head with the tray because she does that at every episode. But I think she's watched one episode where maybe that happened. And so um, she was, she had a bunch of crazy notes, and I didn't take any of them. And she gave me a C minus because I didn't take any of her notes. And I, and she said, well, if I was an executive producer, you have to take my notes. And I was like, yeah, but you're not. And I, I just want my script to be submitted. To see if I can go hmm. to Los Angeles, and if I take all your notes, then I'll never know. And so I was one of two people picked, and so that That's was kind of like my first rule. That was bad for a lot of people giving me notes from then on out. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, but I came out and I worked. I was working at a radio station at the time because so, I graduated. Wait, so, uh, and let me. I'll, I apologize for yeah, interrupting, no problem. Um, but I want to sort of get some details on some of the stuff. So Warner Brothers brought a couple of you out. What two, did they do with you guys? Okay, so like two of us went out. So like I left this radio station just for a couple weeks. I was working for Tony Corn who's on ESPN and, and, and I just left to go out to LA so the the woman before me she stayed on um, she was on full house for like a, a week and she just hung out in the writer's room and the, oh. she was leaving when I got there and I was going to go on room for two with Linda Lavin and Patricia Heaton right. 
And so she told me the first day, she goes, you sit in the corner, you don't talk, and you just observe, and that's it. That's all you do all week. And I was like, all right. So I went, and like immediately... They started roasting me, like, at the table read, saying I was from, like, Frostbite Falls University, and, like, Bullwinkle went there and whatever. And and then we got into the writer's room, and I sat in the corner, as she told me to. And the showrunner, this guy Rick Kellard and Wendy Goldman, um, and there was all kinds of great writers on that show. And and he goes, what are you doing in the corner? He goes, sit sit at the table, you know? And so I sat at the table, and then they started arguing about a joke, and they said, well, what do you think? They kept calling me, like, Young Vic Tabak, saying that, like, I was there as a spy, like, Alice, like, you know, like... Linda Lavin spy and they were funny right I was digging it so they were arguing about a joke they said well what do you think Tayback and I go uh, I would do this because of this I don't remember what it was and and they're like all right let's do that then and then the guy I disagreed with was like all mad at me like jokingly and stuff but like I just started pitching jokes and they were taking some of them and I, I'd even go off and like rewrite a scene and breathe back with it and they'd like humor me and be like yeah we're not doing that but whatever <laughs> and then at the end of the week I said uh should I should I come back to LA and try this? You know, and I let them read my spec and they said, uh, no guarantees, but you might as well, you know? So I saved up money and moved to LA and slept on a guy's couch in Orange mm-hmm. County that worked at a Foot Locker and did some extra work on Beverly Hills 90210. What? Because that was some way yeah, to just pay some that, bills. Yeah. I graduated. I, I, I uh, protested. Donna Martin graduates on, on uh, City Hall steps. <laughs> Good job. And then I got Good a job as a PA on. Uh, <laughs> Uh, step by step with Patrick no Duffy fan. and Suzanne Summers wow. working for the writers, getting yeah. you know there was no email, so I was email. I drive the scripts right. around at night and get uh, get lunch for everybody, and then I got in Warner Brothers' other program, mm-hmm. their ten week program, which is I, more of a formal, sort more of a formal thing. Yeah, exactly. And they try to place you out. They try to place you, but they told me I would not be placed. What's that? I don't know. <laughs> I think this guy Steve Perlman didn't like me too much, but I don't know why to this day. But I didn't get placed, and so then I went back to work as a PA, and I, I had to let everybody in the parking garage the first day, and I had left, like, the conquering hero. Like, everybody Aww. was like, oh, you're going to be a writer. And then, like, yeah. they were like, what happened? I was like, I didn't get any interviews. And then, like, by, like, the third car, like, I'm welling up. And, like, but then I heard this oh. guy. I saw these people from the workshop coming out of an office across the street on the lot. And I said, what's up? And they said, oh, we're going to meet with this guy. We met with this guy, Dave Duclan. He's got this new show called On Our Own. He, he usually runs Family Matters, but he's got his own show. So I just took my script and I just walked in there and I said, hey, uh, I'm from the workshop. And he goes, did we have a meeting? I go, no, but I work across the way at Step by Step and here's a script. I'm under the same deal. They didn't send me out any meetings. I don't know why. He read it and we had a meeting the next day and he hired me. So that's that's, that's how yeah that's how I got my first job. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean that is it, to hear both of you tell like you had to take a bold step. Yeah, yeah. we both maybe kind a little of, shady step. Yeah, we yeah. both <laughs> potentially broke the law just yeah. a little bit, you know, forgery and trespassing, but right. it, it worked out for but us. It sounds like you had indicators that you could do it, and then yeah. also you that was born up like it sounds like they were really receptive to you in that room like that's they didn't have to do that which is amazing like it's but it sounds yeah. like you were ready to take that opportunity yeah yeah no absolutely i think that's what you got to do you just got to jump on it i mean yeah. and you can't take no for an answer i mean i was driving across country and a guy that worked on the show dinosaurs remember that show mm-hmm. like he had read my script uh, my seinfeld spec and i was in texas when he told me to call him halfway across the country and he just the only note he gave me was don't come out here he was like what? you don't you don't have it oh, and i was like dude i'm in wow. texas 
Yeah. He's like, yeah. you don't, I mean, you don't have I got it. one more day. Yeah. yeah. I'm there. But then like a few months later, like uh, Peter Melman, who was a co-executive producer on Seinfeld, he was a friend of Tony mm-hmm. Kornheiser's. He read it and gave me all kinds of great notes. Same script, same thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, you just got to keep your head down and keep oh, going. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know? It's subjective and absolutely have, have the confidence to do it. Yeah. Right. Um, so presumably... When you were an assistant, when you were working as an extra, you were working on material all that time. Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't probably writing as much as I should be, to be honest with you, because I I think I only wrote... I wrote the Cheer spec, and I wrote a Roseanne spec that I never showed anybody, and I wrote a Seinfeld and a Friends, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that was it. Um, and one of those got you into the Warner Brothers program. Yeah, I right? think the, the the Seinfeld got me in the sure. Warner Brothers program, I think, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and did you find that like once you had that first job, once you were on, and th- so they staffed you on Family Matters. Yeah, so no, they staffed me on a show called On Our Own, which lasted oh, okay. one season. It was like uh, it was all these the Smollett family, which some of them ones on Empire oh, yeah, now, yeah. and they're but they're, they're great. all yeah, they're great and they were really fun. It was like a TGIF show, and it was just like your typical sitcom setup. It was like all brothers and sisters. The oldest one, this comedian Ralph Harris, played the oldest one. He was the only one that wasn't an actual family member, and he. Had their parents died, and he had to dress up as their aunt Jelcinda. Oh my god, I remember this show. To so they could all stay together, and of course, like the yes. the, the the guy in charge of everything, like was had a crush on Jelcinda, so he would have to like pretend like he liked her. Yeah. And it was kind of crazy. And I remember like the first day being like, "How come he can't dress up as their uncle?" And they like, just stared yeah. at me like, "Dude, no. shut up, shut up." Yeah, yeah so so that here. that lasted a season, and then I went to Family Matters because did you get a uh, script on that? For season yeah 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 um, i wrote a season. script to somebody uh my friend at uh, my friend at home uh who uh who is now a writer out here mike penny that we went to high school together he accused me of ripping off the brady bunch from my first script <laughs> which i'm not sure i didn't do but i don't <laughs> think i came up with the story yeah. somebody else might right. have ripped off I the brady bunch of yeah yeah group writing i just probably yeah. a big staff i just like did what they days. told i just did what they told me to do you know well, there's something to that yeah right? like this is your first opportunity oh yeah you're not there to change you're <laughs> just there to, to push the ball up the hill yeah, yeah. absolutely um i want to ask that uh, of you, James, like you finished your first season on a show. Yeah. It happened to be your show. Yeah. But like, what did you see? Yeah, and I know you were paired with a showrunner. Yeah, John Lavin. Who's yeah. Who, I mean, obviously incredible. held your hand. He knows what he's doing. But more, yeah. No, like that, I owe everything to that guy. That That's was, great. It was amazing. It was um, one of those arranged marriages that worked out. Like, which was, is so great. Yeah. And um, rare. Sometimes that can be yeah. awful. It was, ter- it was terrifying. Yeah. And from day one, he was like, I, I want your name on the script. Right. I want this is you need to be a part of this. I will only, you know, I will only step in if you fuck up. Yeah. So and what he were held your, true to that? <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's that's amazing. Like you say, it, it can be rare. Yeah. Uh, what did you before even meeting him? Before being paired with him? Yeah. What What were your concerns about? This show, which you created, being bought. I didn't know who was going to buy it. I mean, I wrote it. It was one of those ideas where I thought it would just get me staffed mm-hmm. and people would float around. And so when it, but it kind of had all, you can, it's weird. You can tell when it's going to be more than that and they may or may not make it, but it was like, I didn't mm-hmm. expect it to go anywhere. So it was written, I think it, I don't know if this is heretical or not, but like I was told to budget it out at like eight to $10 million. Like the, the, it was huge. It was huge. Hmm. And so it was like, it, and I had written it like that because I just thought it would sure. matter. So then right, that was it's the just thing. a sample. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, is anybody going to pay attention to this at all? And then 
it got David Strayton, who executive producer, and he directed for the episodes and was down there the whole yeah. time in production. And he down there in South Africa, in South Africa, where we shot it. Yeah. And he was in Colombia on the at the time on a Netflix gig, and he happened. He read it and emailed 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 his agent once it got sent to me and he was super excited hmm. and I was like okay this could go somewhere because I mean his credits precede him I mean he's right. he's done so much TV so I was like okay like a director who presumably knows <laughs> right. like wants to make this holy shit um, and then he happened to get wounded in Colombia, oh, really? and they flew him back because his leg got infected and stuff. Ooh. And they flew him back to you know American Hospital, and and he was you know hopped up on painkillers or whatever. And he came in the day after the surgery to meet me because he's like I'm not, I'm not not going to meet him right. And so he met me and liked me, and then through his connections and everything, that's how we got in with Sci-Fi. We actually mm-hmm. ended up selling it to. The network because it was one of those things. Everybody we found out later. Everybody had read it. A lot of people had gotten very close. Interesting. Um, and but nobody, nobody knew who I was. Right. You're right. And it's such a weird idea. So they don't. They're like, who's going to back this up? So, so and, and so he doesn't go crazy on us or whatever. You know. Sure. To be fair, like they have no <laughs> idea. So I. So then he. So then we got in at Sci-Fi. And but we didn't know when we were going to be able to meet, and this is true. He went back down to Colombia, got hurt again, <laughs> and got flown back again. What is this guy doing that he's yeah. getting hurt? So well, much he was, it was a crazy production. Yeah, and it was, and he and he's he's awesome. But he's one of those guys too, man. He's like a rock and roller. David's David's amazing. So it's like <laughs> one time I called him and I was like, "Hey, dude, man," he's like, "I'm pretty good, pretty good." Rolled my car in Mulholland. <laughs> I was like, you what? He's like, yeah, I climbed out. I just climbed out and had to wave so nobody could see me down there. I was like waving, trying to get people to stop. And I was like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm without a scratch. My car's dead. I'm like, what? I just was asking how you're doing. I thought you'd be like, all right, let's move on. Like, oh he's God. he just lives this. He's awesome. He's an awesome guy. But he just has stories. He'll be he's missed. Like, he's, yeah, yeah. he's got six weeks. Left. Six weeks, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> just make sure you Uber. Uber, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So he, um, and so he came back for another surgery and then... <laughs> then his people were like, David is back, James is here, so we got to go in and pitch to sci-fi. Oh, so if he I owe the I owe all right. of that to his injuries. Yeah, if he wasn't um, the time he wasn't so reckless. Because he got me in the room, you know, because they had a relationship right. with him and yeah. his agent, and and then the pitch was me going, Oh, he's all my crazy ideas and stuff, and I practiced it like a month. Right. Did like, you have like, but still coming out of writing the pilot and as it's sort of being sent around, yeah. Did you have a Bible, like a Bible in mind, or did you know what the yeah, series was? Yeah, yeah, because it, it, it was one of those things that even though it was like, oh, I'll write this to get money, or I'll write this to get staffed, once I started, the world was so right. there that I just couldn't stop. So I had, I pitched them three seasons, wow. a potential shift where we could kind of go farther, spinoffs. Nice. Like, I went crazy. And like they were staring. <laughs> by, by then they were like, I, I actually had to back off in the pitch because they are like, he's crazy, he's crazy. Like, too much, too much. a lot of cart before horse, right? Like, big pipe dreams. But, but no, I had, I, mean, a, I had a We're world. sort of told to do that stuff. Like, yeah. I remember going out on yep. one of our first pitches like 10 years ago and we were asked how the series ends and, you know, we were kids, we didn't know. We were yeah. like, I don't know, it's a comedy. It ends happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We left the meeting, and the people you'll probably just like, cancel it without know. telling us yeah, exactly. in time yeah, to yeah, figure yeah. that out. It's so. not a network. <laughs> yeah. care. On a, you on tell a, me how it ends. Cliffhanger, like most shows. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Is Sci-Fi the studio as well? Do uh, they find they, it? Uh, uh, UCP. Okay. Was yeah. it, so that was there. So in-house, it's all under Universal, which is what they pretty much do. Do these yeah. Days, anyway. Yeah. Um, did you? Did yeah. were you able to keep your original eight to ten million dollar budget? <laughs> yeah. No, we are. We were, we were in there. Oh, that's a fun one. So we went in. So then they were like, "All right, 
you know, so they optioned it at first, but it was but they they weren't even going to exercise that option. It was all contingent on a showrunner, mm-hmm. and John was like the only one I met, and it was just oh, wow. amazing. So he sat me down and walked me through rewrites. Obviously, this has to go the tidal wave in L.A. Of course, <laughs> gone and all that, all that, all that shit that I kind of knew. Right. Um, but then just really guided me through all the structural changes. You, know, you need to have more talking here, and it has to be more like a pilot, and all, oh, all of those kind of networks. So what, yeah, things. what, what um, hadn't you done, but clearly worked? Like oh, no, no, it worked. It so, was, so it's a practical thing. Yeah, it was a lot of the notes that you... And we, and we took them because we were still forming the relationship, and they were not bad, but they were a little bit more traditional. So like in the original version... They're on the race and joined as a team and stuff by the end of Act One. It was just hmm. go, go, go. And then the idea was mythology and details episode by episode because I wanted to do an anti pilot where it wasn't yeah. here's everybody and then here's the premise for what everything will be after that. I just wanted to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that got everybody's attention, but then of course it was. Right. We have questions. Can we? Can you <laughs> push that back to the end of the second act and give us some more dialogue? I want to see what it's like in the cop precinct. And we got a lot of really fun stuff out of that, but it mm-hmm. slowed the slowed the first episode down a lot. So if you think the first episode is fast, it was actually, I mean, it was literally <laughs> like faster. the intro, two guys it, in a car talking, and then like, got a call, and at, oh, at what nuts. point? At what point in the pilot did the opening narration enter hmm. itself into the, into the that, that just that first little bit right, of narration? Right before we locked. That was, right a, before fi- you that locked. was a final really? note. And that was a note from somebody. That wasn't you putting that in. They were really, con- they, yeah, they were really worried about people understanding the It felt words. like a note. Yeah, that's why I asked. No, because I, I because I, I agree. I'm proud of it from be, you too. the work everybody did on it, but it, it was it felt like a note, and, like and it it's a note you get a lot. Yeah. It's it's a note that actually I don't get frustrated with notes really at all. I mean, they're all just well, you don't take them. Well, no, no, no. I take. <laughs> yeah. I take. You them. get them C minus. I take them. I take them when I like them. But 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 yeah. but but I think the. The, the note that bothers me the most is just the clarity at every second, like right out of the bat. Yeah. And, and, and I enjoy yeah. leaning forward and, and, and figuring things out. And, I, and, and it was funny because I, – and I wanted to ask you that today because, I mean, it was fine. It wasn't distracting or anything. Mm. But as a TV writer, I thought yeah. it's a note. That's yeah. a last-minute note. So your answer was exactly what I thought yeah. because I, I then tried to challenge myself to like, all right, forget that mm-hmm. and just watch this mm-hmm. and – you do an excellent job of letting me yeah. know right yeah. when I need to know what's going on. Yeah, and, and, you know, in fact, in fact, I, I'd go so far as to say the reveal of how that car runs yeah. gets a little I agree. messed up. You know, yeah. no, no, I no, no. I, I, I don't want to drive you crazy because no, 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 I know it's I a no. I'm but, past that. I've but, learned. But, but I've learned I'm more just it. complimenting you because I thought that, you, you know, without that, it works. Oh, thanks. So if anybody hasn't seen it, I would suggest just muting that first. Muting, uh, that, muting <laughs> yeah, muting that. the yeah. VO at the first and just yeah. go as he yeah. intended. And yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, no, it, was, it will all those, be explained. Those notes were born out of audience testing, which is why the narration yeah. started with some mouth breathers in Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. And that's, I think that's <laughs> also, was, I think that's yeah. also, I was like, is this like real? Or yeah. 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 So that no, made me certainly think it as well. A lot of what Slink says on the show is born out of, that's right. if that not is very the clear. show, other writers bring yeah. in notes that they've got. Audience in the second testing is tough especially. because sometimes, look, sometimes you'll get good stuff out of it, but like, sure. in particular, like, um, one network uh, does all their stuff in, in, in Vegas, you know, during the day. 
And it's just like it's everybody who didn't want to go to the pool yeah. or do something fun. And they're getting out of the heat. And they're, yeah. Yeah. Like they're, and well, it's, you, it's rough until, sometimes. Until the guest book, you've done all network shows. All network. Right? This so is the first thing I did off network. Your stuff must have been tested to death. Oh, my God. Process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'd, have th- I'd have things like um, like the first thing I ever tested was a pilot I did called the Baker Boys, which was these DJs in uh, from Bakersfield in L.A. And ABC wanted to do a pilot with them. I'd been writing for two years, and the showrunner on Family Matters asked me, to write oh, the pilot with them, and it was wow. great experience. Yeah. Awful, awful pilot, and <laughs> and 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 the first Did thing. Oh, it got shot, and I was attesting, like, all eager, what, oh, watching through the uh, to one-way glass or whatever it's called, and the first question was, who writes this shit? And I was just oh, like, oh, no. man, that's a punch, you know, yeah. gut punch. But then, like, I've had different experiences. Like, Yes Dear tested pretty medium all the way throughout and then we had this gag at the end where a baby walks on water and it spiked higher than anything they've ever had spike and that's what got the show on the air you know and then it stayed on for six years um and then my name is earl i I think they it was different than what they'd had on nbc certainly it was very different but they were taking a chance on it thank god but like they wouldn't believe the testing and they kept retesting it because they wouldn't they didn't think it was testing as high as it was i mean i'm looking just at the dates now like 2005 it did not fit in but they needed but they needed help i mean they were they they had the office on but nobody was watching it it was a great show nobody was watching and then they put us in front of it and then and you you were kind of it was kind of coming off of like the the Frasier and yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Like, so the promo department, like they were all puffed up, like they had just saved the world, you know. So you had to deal with them and everything. But, but yeah. So they just kept testing it over and over, and each time it got higher and higher, which was great, you know. Oh, wow. and, oh, great. But I've I've uh, certainly uh, seen seen good and bad in that room for sure. That's interesting. Um, I want to talk about uh, coming off of the staffing experience yeah. that you had, which it seems like it was you know a good five or six years, maybe five years. The showrunners that you worked for. Um, what did the good ones? What did you learn from the good ones? Gosh, that you try to apply. I mean, I think the main thing I learned from the good ones is is not even necessarily about the process and writing as much as it was just like, you know, just to treat people kind, you know, and and uh, um, and also. Uh, you know, the, you, you, part of show running is hosting a party. You know, it is. Yeah. I mean, you, you, it's it's working your ass off. It's being prepared. It's knowing what you want and being decisive. But it's also hosting a party. You know, and and you set the tone, and you want people happy and anxious to be. You know, happy to be there and 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 ready to work. You know, so I think that's a that's a big part of it. Um, I, I also got. You know, I, I had uh, the pleasure of uh, spending some time with Gary Marshall um, when I was doing the Millers. He would come over and uh, tape nights and just hang really? out, and which was really cool because they were doing the new Odd Couple as well. But sometimes he'd wander away from that and he'd come <laughs> over and hang out with me because I'd met him uh, through a mutual friend of uh, John Stamos, like uh, like a little bit beforehand. We'd gone to lunch, and I, and he was just great. You know, he he'd kind of give we'd talk about notes and how it really didn't bother either of us. But he would say things so succinctly, like you know, notes. You just you need to be polite and vague, polite and vague. <laughs> that's great advice. That's a great that's yeah. a great thought. Yeah, we're gonna consider that polite <laughs> yeah. and vague. And you don't have to, that's the thing people don't understand about notes is like you don't have to yeah. do them. Like sometimes, yeah, you sink or swim but that's mm-hmm. what the job is it's you know but but nobody's going to come back to your office and push your fingers against the keyboard yeah. you know so polite and vague that was a, that was some that's good terrific. advice from 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 Gary um the same question for you James i mean 
again, you've gone through a season yeah. with a seasoned showrunner. Yeah. What did you learn? What are you going to take? Because you'll be running this show or some other show in the next <laughs> If he years. dies mysteriously <laughs> in an accident? No. The, it's not going <laughs> to be a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> it's real uh, all about Eve over um, there. Um... Uh, <laughs> They, that's exactly how he handles notes. <laughs> really? So I did, I learned that too. Um, but um, it sounds stupid not to dig around. I mean, he he learned that. I think kind of like working on the shield. They had to work fast on the shield because mm-hmm. of the weird hours, and um, sure. um, and so they wouldn't get started until night, like nighttime. And they're like, we want to go home. And so we, I mean, there was one time we broke act breaks for an entire episode in two hours. And it was like, all right, let's get lunch. You guys work. And then, and also delegating to writers, which I don't, I mean, maybe it might have been the necessity. We had a, again, I've got one experience. I've been around writers' Mm -hmm. rooms. You know what I mean? Like the Weeds writers' room was around for a long time, but I wasn't in it. Right. So I can, you know, I kind of know. It was not really. Um, but and it, and it's hard to know until you're in it. Yeah, like, it's and, totally, and every room being has on the other side of that door, and, yeah. listening to the door is not the same. No, um, and so so it might be a particular experience because we had a weird our room our writers room was weird. Um, How was it? Reasons weird? it was weird in that we had a five weeks for me and John and one other writer who was not on the rest of the show. He mm-hmm. was just for the five weeks, oh, really? and we broke the entire season like in story areas and ended up with a forty page document. And then John went off to do the shooter pilot, mm-hmm. and then we came back. Then got a our gr- a small room together, oh, and then we had it that. And the pilot was written. So then we and then we just wrote all of them, mm-hmm. and before we, we we didn't shoot or anything right. until we were you know those were all done. And right. so it was just but the, this weird the big arc. But we had a ro- but we had a roadmap. Yeah, yeah, so that helped a lot. And John was just so fast, and we had to move so fast. I would actually say it. And you hear not to do this, and maybe our show I don't know, is an example of that if you don't like it. But we it, we we, we kind of had to break plot first in a way. Like I mean, you were trying mm-hmm. character. We come into that because you can't divide character and right. plot that easily as people seem to think. You know, I mean, yeah. it's always more fused. But the um, it was just we just need the story. We need the beats because hmm. the writers needed to go and get an outline out. We had like twenty weeks, sure, to do all of them, and so it was. Um, wow. And then John's show got picked up, so he was going to disappear. Like near the end of it and fade into that, so it was like we just we just wrote so fucking. But you fast. got them all. You got them all written before you started shooting. Which yeah, and then and then we're able to then go back as a group. Sure. And do a right. group rewrite, yeah, which right. is like and was, knowing where you went, so we could plant things and right. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's that was the most fun for me for writing these ten for TBS yeah, because it was yeah. the first time I've ever written them all and then go shoot them all yeah, and then go edit them all. all. It was just a, it was the most stress free yeah uh, experience I've ever had. And you had, and it sounds like one of the things that was scary about that because it was amazing. It was like, it, it, I think what it does obviously for you is take away that pressure of production, allow right. you to enrich those stories and layer in things and get those rewrites out of the way. And it might be different for you because it was anthology, but then we realized like it's going to be hard to course correct, like and say in terms of casting, or let's mm-hmm. say you see a side character that you know is going right. to go away or something, and they're amazing. And but then we weren't even airing till they were all edited, so it's like you had no idea if a fan favorite yeah. they'd be pissed at yeah. you, or if a certain casting chemistry didn't work. We were beholden to yeah, arts, sure. no, and it was so that. interwoven that to pull a thread would be major rewrites. Once you had them yeah. all written, how much crossboarding? Uh, like, how much crossboarding could uh, you do? Shooting? You did it in blocks of two. Yeah. Okay. We did the same thing. Yeah. 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 So. Well, th- this was something I was curious about, having written all of these before. Like, on something like Raising Hope, even on, on Earl 2, like, there's such a looseness that you felt uh, in the storytelling. Yeah. And, like, it felt like you were along for this ride. Whereas the guest book does feel 
and in part it's because of the format, but like settle in. You, we're going to tell you this story. Yeah. Um, did you feel because you were locked into the script that you were going to lose something? No, because I don't you think weren't so. sort of on that moving train. I don't think so. I mean, it's just I think it's different too because I think in because this is an anthology and sometimes I want to tell so much story in that one little thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more fast paced. There's more there's twists and turns. Yeah, there's a lot of story but going then, on. I think you've always done that too. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I have I have been you know uh, accused of especially in writers' <laughs> room of like shit jamming just way too much story in. But like I just I like to keep things moving, you yeah, know. Yeah. Because look, I, I don't want to just I don't think any of my shows ever just were like shows that like. Like Thirty Rock and 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 shows that are just hilarious, and that's that's pretty much what you know them by. I mean, you know the stories and everything, but I've never felt comfortable enough just to be like, we're just going to sit back and be funny. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if I'm not being funny, then I want you to be interested in the story and engaged in the story. Yeah. You know, um, that's something I really you know, liked about Raising Hope, especially is like not only are we engaged with the characters, but there's a ton of story packed into here, and you aren't just pleased with the jokes like yeah. the story really is important yeah exactly uh, what the characters go through is important i wonder if you were able to do that when you were doing multicam Did you uh, have- i think it's harder you yeah. know i i, I with with multicam i mean we certainly would get to some of those moments i mean i mean learning on like family matters and those miller boyette shows i mean they try to get to a nice you know uh, uh moment at the end of those mm-hmm. shows you know they certainly build to those so i think that was kind of ingrained in me where i try to even with you know Earl and Raising Hope, I think you know I was still trying to get that that you know nice uh, emotional thing as well. I do think it's harder in multicam. It's just just because of the setup, the look of it. It just doesn't feel as real. You know, it's it's a play yeah. that you're shooting, and um, yeah, there's artifice already. There's exactly a kind of yeah. So I think it's a little tougher to get to those spots, but I think it's easier as a show goes on and people are way more invested in the characters. Um, then I think it's easier to do that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to hear about pitching Earl. Yeah. You know, you were, yesterday was still going on, right? Yesterday was going on, and um, it was getting towards the end of its run, and, uh, and I think we had a half season, and I knew it wasn't going to be coming back. And I was looking back at kind of my credits, and it was all four camera stuff. Um, I had written for Family Guy for a year before I created uh, Yes, Dear, and had to leave. But other than that, it was just all four camera stuff. And 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 there were shows like uh, Bernie Mac and Malcolm in the Middle, and and single camera comedies were yeah. kind of just starting to come in there uh, on their own. And 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 I liked them, and I wanted to work on one, and I knew enough. Look, I had been a showrunner on a show for six years, but it was a multicam. It was, yeah. it was yes, dear, a show that was very successful, but was just battered by the critics. And I was like, well, how am I going to get a job on one of these Arrested Developments or one of these shows that I, that I want to work on? Well, I need a sample. I need a single camera sample. So I pitched the idea to Fox because I had a deal at 20th Century Fox, and they just said, uh, it's not a show. It's not a show. <laughs> And I was like, really? It seems like a show. I mean, there's a list. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, there's a I had the pitch. I had the yeah. pitch. What you see in the whole first act is what I would pitch, you know? It's and really funny. It's not a show. I'm like, that seems crazy to me. Yeah. So that really pissed me off. And a lot of things, I think you do your best work when you're full of hate and just kind of like... Hate and desperation. Yeah. You just learn like, nothing yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I'm going to prove these people wrong, you know? So... I was doing yesterday. I woke up every morning at 4.30 in the morning, and I went into the office, and two weeks later, I had the pilot script for My Name is Earl. So then I gave it back to Fox, and I was like, aha, see, it's a show. And like, I think it was Gail Berman over there at the time, and she was like, nah. 
I was like, damn, that sucks. So then I sent it around to everybody, and nobody wanted to do it, you know, for different reasons at different places, you know. Mm-hmm. And, what were some um, of the reasons you heard? Do you remember? Well, like CBS, like I think, you know, I think Les read it at CBS, and, and he really liked it, but it understandably it was not a cbs sure. show i mean it was different it wasn't even right for nbc at the time mm-hmm. but you know so what happened was it just sat on a shelf for like a year and a half and and 20th century fox kept sending me people they had deals with mm-hmm. and then every time they'd send me somebody i would try to i'd get them to read earl and then try to get them to do it right and then at some point like they said we're gonna stop sending people over here if you keep trying to tell them to do earl it's dead you know <laughs> and then nbc read i had a meeting with nbc they read the the, the uh, just as a spec they read Earl and they said we loved your spec we'd love to do a show with you and I was like well how about we do that one because they're not that easy to come up with and if you loved it let's do it and they're like well it's kind of different we'll see and then sure enough Kevin Ryan was like yeah let's shoot it and then like I said they tested it and it did well and it got on That's but great. it was a lot yeah it was it was a long road of just it just sat there for a while but you despite all that you were convinced it was a show yeah I was you know I, I kind of become a little bit of a dog with a bone with mm-hmm. things when I feel like um, they can work because I feel like I've done this enough that I kind of have a sense of what will work and what won't work, sure. even if you tell me it's not going to. I mean, the guest book was went everywhere, you know, until finally we found the right place for it. Um, it you know, I have three pilots right now that I keep pitching to people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I gave one to right Netflix now? the other day. They're like, we passed on this already. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, but yeah. you know. Yeah. I don't know who's um, there now. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. Did that gets shuffled. Change it with yeah. the title. Yeah, and yeah. we'll try it again. But then, no, but this time it was going to be animated. So yeah. like, it's completely different. Look at it through a different lens. What do you want me to do? But yeah, no, I think I mean, there's certainly like if people, enough people say no enough times, you got to move on. But but sure. sometimes and if you have it. And a way of coming back too. Absolutely, yeah. And that's the one thing that frustrates me a little bit about in this town is like, like if there's something that's good, but it gets passed on for certain reasons, which are totally understandable at the time, yeah. how a lot of people can't get over the hump and just go like, yeah. well, oh, it's just because we said no one time. It right. doesn't mean now yeah. it's not right. But, you know, I guess that's just the way it is. Yeah, and it is surprising because every year is different. I mean, look, every three months is different. Yeah. That, you know, what's being developed, what people are interested in. Well, especially when, like, you see, like, they they, they bring back, you know, Full House and Will and Grace exactly. and movies or retreads of old movies. Like, well, all right, well, why not? Why don't we try this pilot that's nobody's <laughs> yeah. seen? Because I even, I've had people say, like, well, everybody's seen it already. No, everybody at that network has seen it, not the <laughs> yeah. country. Plus, the turnover exactly. is so big, too, because exactly. of stuff, too. There's, like, new executive Yeah, it's kind of like whack-a-mole. They just go yeah. down, and then they come <laughs> up know, somewhere else, so yeah. you got to watch it. Was that ever... I'm curious about during the development of Blood Drive, was that ever a threat of, like, people leaving or, or regimes changing or uh, the network mandate there changing? There was a shift because they did that big merger. Yeah, that's what I thought. In the middle of it, so I was like, uh, and then... The the one someone who didn't like it was the one who didn't make it. <laughs> really? Yeah, well, we, lucky we got for you, lucky. Man. <laughs> no, it, the, our our it, blood drives a zombie. It, I mean, it it just kept going so and it almost died a lot of times. Apparently, um, uh, it, I want I want to pick up uh, for a second some of the stuff you were talking about before about that room that was put together sort of in the second half. Yeah, um, where you guys were turning through scripts yeah. and then coming together. What did you What did you see as your role in that room? Yeah, that's a good question because John r- ran it, but I also like didn't have the experience to be like a number two, and he was never gone, so he he was there mm-hmm. um, for everything. Yeah. So 
but I was all I don't know, man. Like, I, like, but I had a role, so like, officially, I was like the second. Sure, you know, but you're there. also the creator of the show. Yeah, so there was a lot of, but the vision was already there, so it was right. kind of keeping it on the rails in terms of tone, mm-hmm. and then I think it was me just barfing all my crazy ideas out and kind of creating this and the same with them like we encouraged all of these young writers I say young because they're like whatever but like, <laughs> like I'm not but like like a lot of them it was their for some of them was their first gig yeah and um, and encourage them to really just go for it and mm-hmm. every every idea that you would say no to in another room we were like we're going to try and say yes not just to be but like let's try and work with those weird pitches and work them all in because this is the one show where you get to do that. And then, and then, and John did so much more than this. But like from my perspective, it was him going, "Great, but you know, mm-hmm. like that's that's not an act out. Sure. Or that this is, and you gotta drive the story, and you can't just be weird for a whole act. And we need this. Oh, okay, then how about this? And he just really, he's the one who kept it on that rails uh, in that way. And so it was a, it was an opportunity for me to. Learn and that's and I remember distinctly going like glean everything, mm-hmm. glean everything because like if this doesn't go, you know what I mean. I'm gonna yeah. have to go back and like try and get staffed and stuff and have to be able, you know, you have to learn everything. This is yeah. your school because well, yeah, that was I skipped my... staffing and exactly. maybe I'll have to go back to that. But it was like I gotta learn. <laughs> yeah, were you able to internalize that stuff? I mean, you've also look. I mean, you've watched a lot of yeah. TV. You <laughs> yeah. know what TV looks yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what stories. Look and well, like. and I have like I worked for seven years on Weeds yeah. again, like next to that writers. Room it's a and weird known show writers. too, and it is a, yeah, exactly, and um, and especially for the time, yeah, I and like yeah. So I guess you never know. I mean, every every room is different, and that's the one thing I've learned from talking yeah. to other people, and um, and so you just kind of have to like, I don't know. I had to fly by the, the seat of your pants to a certain degree because we were moving so fast. Mm-hmm. But it really was everybody. Everybody pitched. We ended up giving our writer's assistant a script. That's great, and it, so it was very all hands on deck. Yeah. It was really communal. And very democratic in a lot of ways, and but you know when John spoke, everybody listened. Like he had, you know what I mean? Because sure. everyone, you know, everyone was deferring to him. And then we also had times when I remember distinctly one time, uh, John and Nina, the, who are the, the mm-hmm. story editors, who are now a handmaid, Handmaid's Tale. Yes. And they there was just like one point because they had you know been on not True Blood, they had been on. Um, uh, uh, vampire Diaries. Vampire Diaries. Yeah, and it was something with vampires. <laughs> and um, it could be any one. So of they had a fair things. amount of. You know, they had more experience than me mm-hmm. <laughs> in a room. So like there was like at one point where they, a couple of the younger writers, were kicking and wasn't getting anywhere, and they were like, "What about this?" And John and I just kind of sat back and for like about a half an hour, they were running the room, and right. it was just and it just there was no reason to interrupt it if sure. it was working and it was going somewhere. So I think that that was, that's another thing I learned from John was to just kind of sit back and if any broke, don't fix it. Like, mm-hmm. don't, you know what I mean? Don't let your ego get in the way. Yeah, just absolutely. let it go. And then yeah. you step in when it's, okay, like, because we, you let me go and I will talk about like mythology and like, <laughs> and Turner, for, for like an hour I can just right. go and like, you reach a point where you're like, yeah, but we got to have a, you know, they got to go defeat the monster. They got to right. get past that locked door. We they were gotta. just trying to figure out lunch. lunch. Yeah, exactly. So it was, um, it makes it sound more chaotic than it, than it is. No, not at I all. Think, it sounds yeah. like a bunch of people, you know. It sounds like a first season show, yeah, and a well run one, yeah. Too. And again, like that, having that forty page Bible mm-hmm. was just like uh, right. you always knew where you were going. You had an anchor, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you did. That makes sense. Uh, and we were talking before we started rolling about these rooms that you've put together over the years, and how like not just 
really great showrunners and writers have come out of them, but really nice people. Yeah, too. like yeah. they're all good. Like when we mentioned Abs- Cat and John, and absolutely, and yeah, yeah. Danielle Sanchez, yeah, and who is Mike just Penny, here. and and uh, yeah, I mean tons. I mean even on the Millers, uh, Austin Earl and mm-hmm. Chad Gendon and Steph Weir and right. Raisin Hope had great people. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I got real lucky with that. You know, it was funny that. Well, it, that's my question. Is it luck, or is uh, are you doing something in those rooms that is sort of fostering uh, this environment? I don't know about all that. I mean, I, I mean. <laughs> People are people, and you know, and and you, you, you. I was lucky that I got recommendations a lot mm-hmm. of times later and later and stuff. But like Earl, I think was just a lot of luck. And and what happened with Earl and Raising Hope, which was interesting, was I couldn't just hire the people I had hired before because when uh, Earl got picked up. We still did another half season, sixteen episode order mm-hmm. of Yesteryear. So I really only took um, <laughs> two writers, Mike Penny and, and Bobby Bowman, over to Earl with me, and I had to yeah. hire a whole bunch of new people. You know, it forced you to really go out there and find other people. And I mean, everybody from you know Victor Fresco was on that show right. for a couple of days a week, <laughs> and Vali Shandrashekran, who's on Modern Family now, was on the show. He was our uh, staff writer. He was a staff writer. Um, so everybody was great. And then what happened was then um, Raising Hope was still on the air. I left the last season of Raising Hope to take a deal at CBS Studios, and then that's when I got the Millers on. So everybody mm-hmm. I knew was working on Raising Hope. Yeah. So I had to branch out yet again. That's when I met all these other writers. So. Um, I, I think mostly it's luck. I mean, look, I'd love to think that like they learned some stuff working for me, and maybe they did. I'm sure they learned what not to do just as much as what to do. Um, but you're absolutely right. There, there's a lot of really talented people who are nice people as well, well which is good. Yeah, let me ask. Like, so when you're putting together those rooms and reading these new people and meeting these new people, what are you looking for? What are you responding to? Usually, like. It, it really depends on the level, to, to be honest with you. Like, I, I'm not a great reader. I don't love reading scripts, so I'm always looking for a reason to put them down. <laughs> and sometimes the reason is bad, and sometimes the reason is good. Like, sure. I'll usually not read more than 15 pages of a script. Um, if I don't like it, then that's it. And if I like it, I set up a meeting. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, if I'm reading a modern family script, I don't need to see how Phil gets out of this predicament. <laughs> like, I can move on yeah, to the yeah. next script. Um, however, if I re- if I find myself at the end of a script, I'm like, shit, like, that was a good story. Like, I actually yeah, was, like, interested and engaged the whole time. So, like, and in and, and, and lower level people, I'm really looking for jokes um, and <laughs> character stuff. Uh, I'm not really if the story's great the story's great but i'm not really stressed about story for younger writers i think you learn a lot of that on the job mm-hmm. and different people tell different stories too so you sure. learn it from the from the showrunner of the stories they want to tell um and then i do you know it's kind of the point too where i like recommendations you know i mean there's you're lucky if you work for a while that you you know a lot of people and um and they're always recommending people and and that's a great way for me you know lately to find people for sure it's nice to have that vetting process because time is so tight too time is tight and you just yeah and, and it's risky i mean you're you're reading Usually one script, maybe two scripts. You're having a meeting. Everybody's charming in the meeting. I mean, how are they not charming in the meeting? You know? If they're not, that's a big and, answer. And, yeah. yeah, if they're not, then yeah, they're morons too. Like, how can you not be charming in the meeting? And get it together for ten minutes. You we know, had an interview with a team. Wait a minute, you can't see finger quotes. Yeah, no, no, no. We had a finger with it, and I using finger quotes for the team because I don't think they were really a team. Oh, yeah, it was one of those. Yeah, and they walked into the room. 
sat in chairs, pushed them as far away to either side of the table as they could, leaned away from each other. It was a guy and a girl. Oh, no. And, uh, and there was this weird energy, and John says, so did you guys like the script? <laughs> and the guy was like, you could see him, like, look, and he was like, he kind of went through the motions of what you're supposed to say. And she went like, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> and his eyes get like that. It was a total Sabbath. It was the weirdest interview. Wow. Other than that, yeah, like that. There are times like that where you're like, all right, like I know where this is going. <laughs> I don't know what that was. It was so weird. But this but, seems like a good opportunity to give some advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You may not want to uh, act bored. Uh, yeah, I think and the best start giving notes on the thing. <laughs> I think the best thing to do if you can get in the room for a meeting. I mean, if you get in the room for a meeting, they've liked your script mm-hmm. or you've come recommended or whatever. So you've 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 got over that first hurdle. And then, like, how do you separate yourself from the next person? And I, I just, yeah. I say that you need to. And you can be honest or lie about this. It really doesn't matter, and I wouldn't care either way. (laughs) Whatever the show is, present yourself as a person who's going to be a story engine for that show. Because the Mm -hmm. hardest thing about a show is coming up with stories. Yes. You can give me a story. We can make anything funny. You know, there's going to be funny people in that room. There's no question about that. It's story. So, like, when I was doing The Millers, a couple guys came in and talked about their moms who were single and dating and how that affected them and blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, these two guys are going to come up with stories. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, they could have been lying about that. And if I found out later they were lying about that, as long as they keep coming up with stories exactly. like that, what do I care? That's yeah, the job yeah, anyway. Yeah, we're just yeah, making yeah. lies every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, it doesn't yeah, bother yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. If you're a good liar, yeah, be yeah. a liar. You're better. That means you're a better Yeah, if you, fool me, if you fool me, we can fool America. <laughs> exactly. Right? Can I ask you? That's a good you, motto. Do you want, in an interview, would you want somebody to pitch? No. I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable yeah. because then I feel like I have to now – First of all, I feel like, oh, you're actually pitching something, and now if I do something later and yeah, I don't hire you, yeah, I'm going to feel weird. real crappy about it, and I feel like I have to like judge your pitch when it's an actual mm, pitch, yeah. where it's just like, just disguise it. Just hide it. Just yeah. tell me a story. Got tell it. me a story about your Which, mom. Tell again, me a story about, you know, whatever. That, that does come naturally, right? It yes. It's not a conversation, and if you're sitting in there, I can tell you a story about my mom. I can tell you a story about a, th- a bad thing I did that I regret, whatever yeah. it is. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, so I would try to hide it in, yeah. the, in that. If For I could. Blood Drive, yeah. it was a very different thing. Like you guys, I reg- yeah. If somebody comes in and has a story yeah, for yeah. your show, you might want to arrest them. Arrest <laughs> That's a different this thing. Happened to me, well, yeah. We, yeah, we struggled because I have was a like, motorcycle that runs on sperm. sperm. So uh, yeah, exactly. actually, uh, and here's the yeah. My lawyer's going to be calling. <laughs> the, the yeah, because that's what I found was like. I can tell I like a person, but we had nothing else to go on, right. and it was like, and you have, and you have specs, and specs are great, to, but then you're like, well, can they do that in a week? Right. Is this their one idea? Yeah, exactly. You just don't, yeah. you don't have anything to go on, and so we just had this experience with one of our writers that came in, and he he just swung it in a way where it was like, um, I guess cool if I, I just I love the idea. I've got a ton of crazy ideas. You know, if you don't want to hear them, that's fine. But I and we were like, sure. And he mm-hmm. just boom, 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 great ideas. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, mm-hmm. and he turned it into a mini writers' room in a way. Mm-hmm. And that was, and that was nice. But not everybody. And but I've heard horror stories of things getting stolen. Like, oh, you see it the next yeah. season. So and everyone's different. I, I also know. saw like. I think Stephen Falk, not with You're the Worst, the one he had before, because mm-hmm. I happened to be in the room when that was mm-hmm. starting up. And at the time, I remember going, why is he doing that? And it makes sense now. They'd come in for the interview, and he'd walk in, and he'd like throw him keys to the golf cart because we're on the Universal lot. And he'd like, let's go for a ride. And he That's would just shake it up. Idea. And I'm sure that they, it was that same type of mentality of like, 
get them talking, cut through yeah. the chit chat, yeah. and just probably cuts their nerves away cuts, too. Yeah, a little bit. There's other stuff. things going on. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I remember having a writer on the podcast early on saying, like, I always prefer to get a drink or get a coffee or something, yeah. just so there's some distraction, so we can be ourselves, which yeah. is what you're going to be in that room. Exactly, because yeah. it's you got to. It's almost like a therapy session where you got to get past. You got to know yeah. who people are, get them to loosen up. Yeah, that's that's interesting. The worst, I think, are interviews for, like, this is going away from writers for a second, but, like, when I interview, like, a wardrobe person or something like that, I'm just like, I have no idea what to ask. And I've done this for a while, but still, it's just like... So do you, do, you, do you pick out good clothes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I usually pick out good clothes. All right, great. Um, I do want to talk about <laughs> casting with you, though. Sure. Because um, you've had great casts. Yeah, well, Lucas was cleaning toilets before, That's so right. he, he wasn't yeah. done that wow. before. And, and but Garrett, yeah. oh, Garrett had been to so such dark stuff, dark, yeah. dark, dark. Which is like, which is funny because you know he and I talked about this not that long ago, um, because you know at the time it was like, can this guy do comedy? Can this do yeah. comedy? And then like halfway through Raising Hope, he was like, go out for like drama jobs, and they're like, I don't know, can this guy do drama? You know, it's he's like got the people, Bruce Willis syndrome. Yeah, people forget <laughs> like, so quickly. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's he's. Uh, he's, yeah, I, I'd say the most talented, but I don't want to piss anybody off. Sure. He is one of the most talented actors he's I've ever worked with. He's a versatile actor, Unbelievable. for sure. Unbelievable. Um, as, as Shannon is, too. As a lot of these guys that yeah. you've worked with, and, I mean, you populated uh, uh, all your shows with these people who, it feels like any of them would be a secret weapon on another show, but you make them into these ensembles. Yeah, everybody just, just come, Is it a question of taste? I like, think it's just, happen? I think it's just, it's... I think there's some luck to it. Um, you know, Dave Awaite uh, cast a lot of those shows and did a great job finding people. Um, yeah, she worked on Weeds, so you know, oh, really? you know, Dave. Um, you know, and and then there was, uh, you know, there was people like like Martha Plimpton. I just wanted to work with Martha Plimpton yeah. at one point. Like I was thinking about her as Joy in um, hmm. in My Name Is Earl, and actually, I think I was in like in the middle of like talking with her about it. And then Jamie Presley came in and read, and I was like, "Well, that's done. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. there's no beating that." <laughs> and then when uh, when Raising Hope came along, I was like, "I want her to be this person." And I remember we talked on the phone, and she was like, "You want me to play a grandmother?" And she's like, "I'm not so sure." <laughs> I go, "But that's the thing. You're a young yeah. grandmother, and you know." So yeah. some some people were just people I wanted to work with, but um, sure. you know, you so, see so many people. I mean, Jason Lee for My Name Is Earl, we must have seen 500 people. Wow. Um, Oh and really? I never, I never knew if he was like a done deal because of MC no. So like, it it's I'll, I'll make this story quick, but yeah. like he, um, he came in for a meeting, um, and with Mark Buckland, the director, and mm-hmm. myself, and we had a great meeting, and like we bonded over like our love for Burt Reynolds and Smoking the Bandit, and I had posters <laughs> in my office, and we talked about that, and like it went great, you know. Well, first he kept passing, he kept passing, he kept passing, and then they finally read the script, and he goes, "I love the script," so he came in for the meeting. <laughs> so the meeting went great, and then like they started to negotiate his deal. And we're like, oh, this is awesome. So it was like a Friday night, and they're like, the deal's almost done. Go to bed. It's going to be fine. So I wake up <laughs> on Saturday morning to an email that said, deal blew up. No, no Jason's out. Oh Doesn't want to do it. Changed his mind. I'm like, oh, man. So I called his manager just to check in, who was uh, Gay Rabisi, uh, Giovanni Rabisi's mother. And I just said, what's up? And she goes, oh, he kind of freaked out. And he just he just saw this movie he was in with Daniel Day-Lewis. And he's just, he just doesn't know if he wants to do TV and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, I get it. I get it. But that's a real bummer. And, and, and she goes, well, I'll try to talk to him some more. But, and I said, all right, well. So then the next day, I took my son to the, an art fair in uh, Santa Monica. 
and he was real little, and we were walking around, and I see Giovanni Ribisi. And I don't know Giovanni Ribisi at the time, but I'm like, I, I was talking to that guy's mother the yeah, other day. Yeah. So I walked over, I go, listen, I don't want to bother you here, but it's just weird, because I was talking to your mother all day yesterday about Jason Lee, and I'm a fan, I, I don't know, I just wanted to say hi. And he goes, my mom's here. And so he calls over to her. <laughs> so she comes over, she goes, oh my God, now we're meeting face-to-face. She goes, oh my God, I can't believe you're here, and, and uh, this is so weird. Jason was going to come with us today, but he's just trying to get his head straight, and he went to Ventura to the beach. And she goes, well, this is my daughter, and this is my daughter, and this is my son-in-law, Beck. And I'm like, oh, hello, Beck. Sure, absolutely. And it was just like so weird. And so we had this nice little conversation. And I said, all right, well, I'll talk to you later. And then I went to watch Jaleel White, Urkel, play in a basketball league, a showbiz basketball league. And my son and I are watching this, which was also in Santa Monica. We planned the whole day. And my phone rings, and it's Gay Rabisi. And she goes, I just talked to Jason. I told him you were at the art festival. He thinks it's fate. He's in. He wants to do the show. And I was like, well, listen, that's awesome. But I don't want him to do the show because I went to an art festival. Yeah. So have him call me tomorrow and let's talk about it. So he called me the next day and he was like, look, he goes, I, I thought more about it. And if I'm going to do a TV show, this is the one I want to do. Let's do it. And so it was like a little wild ride that's there. Hilarious. But that's that's how he ended up being Earl. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, likewise, uh, on Blood Drive, like you had some tough parts to cast. Yeah. And we had, like I said, it was all written, so it was like, instead of, can we morph this to the actor, it was like, do we have an actor that can... Who can pull this off. And luckily, they could read from scripts down the line, not to give anything away, but like characters do not end up where you (laughs) think they're going to end up at all. Like, it's just this full 180-degree thing. And, um, and yeah, like, most of it we cast down there. I was going to ask that. But we so, got we found Alan and Christina okay. up here uh, right before we le- we really? we, uh, we left to go down. What was the process of looking for those two? Um r- reasonably short. I mean, once Alan was in. Okay. Right? Because think about the requirements. Like he's referred to as a Barbie doll. <laughs> like, you know, he has to kind of constantly be the naysayer, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but you so you have somebody who's charming and charismatic so mm-hmm. that you're not like, "Oh, shut up," you know? <laughs> and um and then knowing what was down the road in terms of some comedic stuff with him, <laughs> and then also the ability to go a little darker and some things that happened to him later on, and it was just, so you needed somebody with the chops who looked like that, who was willing to go to the other side of the world, and it was just like a, it was a, it was a no-brainer. And I hadn't even seen Blue Mountain State at the time, mm-hmm. and seen what he was kind of capable of, it was just off of that. that. Was wow. show. That's great. Yeah, no, yeah. he was, and he, and he... I did a pilot with one of those guys. Uh, did you? Eric, yeah. Eric Falconer, we did a pilot together, that's that a funny show. Right, really funny, and <laughs> yeah. really, but kind of under the radar, like, yeah. but it, that's not true, because it has a fan talent. base, yeah, and he's really big in South Africa. Really? He'd go out places, and they'd be like, bad, and he's like, it's a free dinner, and he was like a king there um and i hear more and more about the show he's got a big fan base but the um then and then so he we found him first Mm -hmm. and so then it was like okay knowing that you're not going to get any better than that that kind of whittled it down so now it's about chemistry and and then we read and we read a few people and uh christina and he is he knows what he's doing he's really experienced he's really charismatic and a strong personality and she just had the ability to oh wait wait a minute you know what i mean and push back on him and deflate him a little created this this spark and she just popped on camera and so so hot and so, yeah, and yeah, I mean, let's both, not, and both. Let's face it, both of them. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just like yeah. what that, like what was God doing? Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, concentrating, concentrating. Exactly. Yeah, he's like, if I, for yeah, once, why didn't you put that much effort into the rest of creation? Oh my well, God, put ten percent of that into me, please. <laughs> That's how we wound up where we are today. Yeah, he was true. too busy concentrating too, yeah. on them. On them, exactly. That's true. Um, uh, and so and then everybody cool. else was um, uh, for, off a of tape when we were in South Africa. Sure. Which is, 
I mean, just insane. I and, can't imagine. And thinking about what they're coming into, like like uh, Christopher and Aki, in like the first four episodes, like he's naked the whole time. <laughs> and that torture shit that we get into in yeah. four, and like, and so they had to like, and he had he had one IMDb credit to his name, <laughs> and it was and he and 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 she was amazing, but she had this amazing audition tape. And we didn't know this at the time. The first thing she says is, hi, I'm Arama Corlat, and I'm over 18 years old. And we were like, what does that mean? <laughs> and so me and oh, we no. kind of moved out. We're like, <laughs> and, the, and John was back in the States. It was me and David Strayton. Right. And so he's like, look at this tape again. So we went back and watched the actual audition, and it was amazing. And we're like... Oh, we would have passed it up because that was such a weird thing to say. Well, then she Just flies hours, down. Right? She's that tall. Oh, oh. I mean, she literally. I mean, she's and she has kind of a baby face, and That's she wears funny. overalls sometimes. <laughs> it was a, like she looks like she's twelve. Her favorite trick is she would like tap you and squat, and you would turn around. You couldn't see her. She was so. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. She's like this little prankster. She's incredible. But she, it was so funny. But like, it was literally like, so hey, how you doing? We're on, like on Skype together. You're okay wearing a different dominatrix outfit every day. <laughs> that's going to be handmade for you. So this is going to be the tightest thing you've ever worn. And you've were they reading? They were person. reading the scripts, right? They, or at least a section. I don't. That's a good question. I don't know. They're they were out there, so I don't know how much they got. There also wasn't time to read, right. and you know, so they were probably reading right. one or. I mean, I guess they, they were warned. The real question is like, yeah, they know what the tone of the thing yeah. is. They yeah, know, but they, they know, know it's we a are. pulp movie, and that's it's like, true. hey, we're making exploitation, and so it's like, well, exploitation was called that for a reason. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Was, There's a certain amount of trust with something yes. like that. Yeah. that, that and uh, you got wow. to leap of faith. Yeah. No, the casting gods were smiling on us. Like, we didn't think that we could get Colin Cunningham, mm-hmm. and who did the best. I've never seen an audition tape <laughs> like this. Like, makeup, top hat. He oh, did wow. the thing, edited it, which normally it's yeah. like, but it was so well done. And he comes out of the darkness and smiles <laughs> and talks and all that. He had, had, you know, smoked a cigarette, all this smoke. comes like a dragon. <laughs> and does this, read that character with, because that character's got this dandyish quality, yeah. but he has to be evil. So he, to find those two where he's like, oh, I'm going to be Ponzi one second, mm-hmm. but I could break your back the next. And he brought this intensity to it. Yeah. And, and we didn't think we were going to get him. And then two other people said no. Mm-hmm. And it came back around to him, and then we made a play, and we're like, "There's no one else." Like the, yeah. it was, and I, re- I remember getting on the phone and saying, "Like, like if there's such a sign, I was like, I was pulling mm-hmm. Jason Lee. I was like, this is fake. Like, <laughs> yeah. These other two actors we went out to were great, but we did it because we thought we couldn't get him." And huh. and I and each time it didn't work out with them, it was like I could feel a weight lift off my shoulders, and I was like, "And we are." Fucked if Slink doesn't work. He's the glue for yeah. the whole show. Yeah, if yeah. you see further, and um, and whatever magic was work went back, did this, and it was the right time in his career because he just came off a big show, so mm. he could do a low budget thing, and was like, I got no plans. I'll go to the other side of the world. Yeah. And it was a last minute. He bar- and yeah. and it was and it and it was like ha- the show wouldn't work without him. I sure. mean, it just would. And sometimes you just get lucky on those things. Uh, yeah. Um, let me uh, let's just just wrap up here. Uh, so, Blood Drive ongoing Wednesday nights. Mm-hmm. People should catch up and should also watch these new episodes. The guest book premieres the third. The third Thursday nights at ten o'clock. So Two you days. have a whole twenty four hours to recover from <laughs> Blood Drive, right. which you're going to rehydrate, yeah. get your mind set, and then you can dive into some guest. 
books on TBS. Very good. Um, and I'll wrap up by asking you guys what we always ask at the end, which is what, do you, what are you watching these days? What is getting you excited or inspired? What are you talking about with your friends, your coworkers, your families? Uh, for me, like I said earlier, I'm actually just diving into Mad, Mad Men. And I never know if it's Mad Men or Mad Man. It's Mad Men. It's Mad Max. Uh, yeah, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. So, so I'm watching that. And then um, I was obsessed with High Maintenance when it was on. And we can't wait for more of those. It's just so good. Yeah. So good. And so you have no idea what's going to happen next. And uh, and Black Mirror is a big one for me. Yeah. But I could go on and on because all I do is watch TV. Is that really? Yeah, time. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know <laughs> yeah. how, but I find time. I, when I have insomnia, that's when I catch up. Yeah. And, what are you watching late at night, then? Uh, right now, Twin Peaks. And that right? that includes finishing season two. Oh, really? And watching Firewalk with me. And I, so I am, like, oh, in a I'm weird so space. <laughs> yeah. But you need to watch it, to I think. Cause it, Maybe. Having just watched it, though, there's some key stuff. Um, is, that tr- is that right? Yeah. I don't know. The, I mean, it's the been and the 20 incest, years. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, it's it's a, yeah. it's a, yeah, it's nuts. But um, and like I, I've never seen anything like, it. and it's a me- no. it's a mess, but it's a beautiful mess. Like Absolutely. it's and uh, some not all Lynch is like that, but a lot yeah. of Lynch is real all over the place. But just kind of the thing I've been uh, hearing and saying about it, and I'm riveted by every episode. Yeah, good and bad is out the window. Agree. Like, and there, I don't know what it and is. And there are sequences where I'm like, that's one of the best pieces of filmmaking yeah. I've ever seen. And then there's other things where it's like, oh, oh, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> this like, is toned down. But depth. you can't tell, but it's kind of meant to be. Absolutely. And different Maybe. film stocks and colors. And like, yeah. um, so that, uh, I think that a lot of people are. And then I just finished The Leftovers. Mm-hmm. And I did. I, I was watching at the exact same time, religiously, Silicon Valley, Leftovers. Better Call Saul and yeah. Fargo season three. We had a, a great run of TV this yeah. spring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, really throw did. Veep in the mix there too, oh, which yeah, is which hilarious. I've never, never watched. But like so with the David Lynch thing that you guys great. are saying with Twin Peaks, shouldn't we all like aspire to get to the point in our career where it's like, but I, when it's bad, I think it's supposed to be bad. Sweet spot. I mean, when it's great, it's great, but when it's bad, yeah. that's genius. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it is people don't get it, so everyone's afraid to go no. Sure. But that can backfire too, where everyone's like, I, I was commenting like Southland Tales is one of the most vile, like hated movies ever, and I love it, mm-hmm. and and but it didn't click the same way for whatever reason. Right. So people can go, oh, it's brilliant or it's pretentious and ridiculous, right. and it's but I watch those and they are of a uh, same ilk, yeah, as it were. Same with Repo Man. Like when I saw Repo Man, I'm like, you know, sure. but that has a cult. That's somewhere in the middle where it's yeah. people know it, but it's not like a huge hit. But they all feel lynchy and they all feel, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't know what it is about his work. I mean, I agree too. It is better than both those things, but mm-hmm. they are, you would think if people love one, they'd be okay. Right. Well, you get the feeling with Lynch that there's purpose, like yeah. that he, there's confidence yeah. behind it, yes. right? And that's what makes you Even say, if you don't know what it is, he must know he what does. he's doing. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Good luck and congrats on the new shows. Uh, and please come back and talk to us again sometime. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Now leaving Nerdist.com.